Hi, welcome to my podcast, Talking Travel with Wendy. I travel the globe interviewing really cool people in small hospitality and tourism businesses. Join me each week as I discover and share something or someone new with you. You can find more at www.travelwithwendy.net. And remember, it's always an adventure when you travel with Wendy. Stephanie. Hi, Wendy. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm at Burrett on the Mountain with my friend Stephanie Timberlake, and, we, and we're going to talk about this lovely historical open air, interactive, multiple, multi function event center, mansion, museum thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's very hard to describe us. <laughs> So I will always have a special place in my heart for Bird on the Mountain because I used to work here at Josie's gift shop with my friend Noel um, a little while back and it has changed so much. So much. And I, I love the changes. Well, good. So let's talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about the history okay. first and Dr. Burritt and the mansion because I think that's where it started, right? It started with him <laughs> and that is the only original structure up here. So. He was born in 1869 and passed away in 1955. He was a very eccentric gentleman, and your people will see that if they come to the tour of the house. Yes. That's not going to give away all the good stuff. When he, he was married three times, and when he passed away, he had no children and no remaining family or immediate family. So he donated 167 acres up here to wow. the city of Huntsville. Yeah. And the house became Huntsville's first museum. Okay. And then we added the historic park structures. There are six, maybe seven, six original <laughs> houses that people actually lived in out there that date from 1800 to 1900. And we started bringing those in in the 60s. Okay. So that became the first park. <laughs> so we have a museum and we have a park. And there's animals. We added, so over the years of the historic park, we have added um, animals. We have a live barnyard back there with chickens and goats and sheep and a mule and cats and a pig. Uh, and all part of the field trips that we do and just daily visitors, but a lot of it is due to our field trips yes. uh, to teach kids that milk does not come from the grocery store. Yes. Um, and uh, well, early Alabama history too, and how everything, some yeah. of the pioneers, and maybe even earlier. One of the best things that we do with the kids with the field trips is that you go through the field trip of maybe house tours, and then you say, "All right, do you want to live back here?" And they go, "Oh yeah, I want to live back here." And they've done it for five minutes. They haven't done it every day, three times a day, milking cows and making butter and beating the rugs and yeah. you know, all that stuff. They, they don't have to do that very often. Yeah. Uh, but they, so they think it's fun, which yeah. is a good thing. For the, for the 20 minutes. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And this kind of gets them back into that mode of pre-TV, pre-game show, games, video games. Yeah, cell phone. Exactly, everything. all of those wonderful yeah. technology distractions that we have. Today, um, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Super cool. So you can take a tour of the mansion. Yes, we are open six days a week, Tuesday through Saturday. In the summertime, we're open nine to five. Sunday, we're open 12 to five. That does change in the winter time, so make sure that you check the hours. Okay. Check our website for website. the hours. And the website is? www.burrettonthemountain.com. Okay. So very easy. And lots of drop downs with events. Yes. 
Yes, and we have a, a bar right there about a couple inches down from the top that has all of our main things that people would be looking for. The concerts, any of our you know, COVID updates that we have yeah. to give, or any of our kids' events and field trips are right there. So let's talk about COVID for a little bit. Yay, my favorite <laughs> subject. <laughs> well, I, I can't not talk about it. It's been challenging. In some ways it's good because we're having to rethink some things. We don't want to reinvent the wheel, but hey, how can we do this differently? We're upping our virtual distance learning game. Okay. So there's some positives that have come out of it. We are open, finally, after six weeks or eight weeks of being closed, and the response has been good. We have had visitors. We request that people wear masks while they're inside. So like when they're inside Josie's gift shop, uh, buying tickets, or when they're in the mansion, we do request it. There is a limit to people that are in the mansion, and so we closed off a couple of the areas where they would, yeah. um, <laughs> you can still see everything. Uh, the historic park, you don't have to wear a mask necessarily outside, but if you are talking with one of our interpreters, just out of courtesy, you can put, you know, wear one just okay. for everybody's safety. Uh, our interpreters and our staff and our volunteers do wear masks, that is our requirement. And we are going ahead with events. Now we didn't have to cancel our, field, our summer camps. Okay. Uh, we did do that, but we are doing throughout the week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're doing something called Discovery on the Mountain. Okay. So that's limited to a certain number of kids. You have to pre-register and they go out and they do a hike or feed our animals okay. or talk about animal habitats or something that could generally be outside. Is that like a half day camp? It's like a two day, two oh, hour, okay. like two a two hour, hour okay. thing. And you know, just an easy thing. Uh, parents can either come and drop off their kids and they could go do the tour or they can go and run a quick errand or something. It just depends on how they feel. But it's still interactive, just the it, numbers. It is outside yeah. and if we have to go inside for rain, we definitely make sure, that's why we've limited it so much, so that any activity that we have, the kids can be far enough space apart and um, and still do it social distancing. But it's, yeah, the, the whole social distancing, but getting out and being interactive is a huge part of right what people need yes. is that human connection so yeah. we're still trying that we are doing our concerts had a great one a couple weeks ago completely sold out and that's because we're limiting our numbers by about two-thirds okay but we what we mark places and we kind of instruct people to sit around those little flags and so that way there's six feet or more really we were very generous about it and you were saying there's food trucks yeah, we have a food truck, so each concert's gonna be a different food truck, and again, that is on our website. But we have food trucks, we have, or we have one food truck, and then we have an ice cream truck. Okay. And we have a cash bar. It's a necessity so. in Alabama in yes. July. Yes. <laughs> you have to have ice cream. You have to have ice cream, or frozen pops. Susie's Pops is up here quite a lot, okay. so just something, um, something cool and refreshing. So. Yeah. And people can bring their own food in. And the music uh, changes too, right? It does, yes. yes. So we've got a great lineup. We had a uh, bluegrass band. It was their first time up here in June. And we had people coming from Mississippi who've been following them for years. Oh, that's so cool. So it was really great to bring in more people. Uh, we have Huntsville's In The Mood Swing Band coming up okay. this Friday. And we have a, a Oompa Calypso band. Oh, wow. And it's, uh, it's not the German men, you know, that you would think of the big cheeks blowing up, but they <laughs> play different music. So that's okay. going to be a lot of fun. 
Um, we have Eric Essex, jazz artist from Birmingham. And that's, that's every day. week you said? Eric, well, seven, we have seven throughout the conference. Seven, seven throughout the summer. Yeah. Okay. So they're just, most of them are on Fridays. We've had to move a couple of them to Thursdays because of our rentals and okay. having to move con our first two May concerts. So. Well, that's a good segue. Tell me about some rentals and event space that you have here. We have, well, what I think is the best rental place in Huntsville, just because we are the only people who have the view that we have. So, so we have. And it has a formal name. Yes, we have a beautiful building. <laughs> it's called Bear and Bluff. And with that, a couple of years ago, we added the view, which is a cantilevered deck that has a glass window railing that you can just kind of see through. You can have your wedding out there at the view, you can have your wedding at the gazebo. You can have cocktails on the view, you can have cocktails inside, yeah. and, and all that. So we, and then Bear and Bluff is a large building, which is where most of the receptions are held. Okay. And so, and in a normal year, we are booked every Saturday and maybe every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's been a wonderful But thing. people can still book for the future. Absolutely. For uh, weddings or special events. Yes, Noel is, talking with people every single day and we're moving forward for the future. Good, good. And there's also outdoor space that's around. Yes, so you've got with the view and the gazebo, you have all of the green space that's up here. Even tables outside yeah. and, and new stuff, so yeah. And, and along those same lines, people can come up here to take wedding photos or pre-wedding photos, is that right? They or? can, we okay. do ask that they call and kind of schedule that. Okay. Generally you come in and just pay general admission and you get all of the grounds. You can't go in any of the homes or anything, but yeah. We're open for pictures and, yeah. and just everything. Uh, so that's great to know. And um, so I know the courts. So this started about eight years ago with the idea for we needed something kind of hands-on. So we came up with doing something revolving around 1800 fairy tales. And so we did the whimsical woods. And there's a, there's a storyline about Will and Felicity and they're in the woods and they you know need to help them save okay. their woods. And so, um, but the fun thing about that was that the first year we did it, we had the fairy tale out there. We had Cinderella, uh, Little Miss Muffet, okay. um, all the, you know, Humpty Dumpty, a lot of fairy tales. Yeah, those three. And then you were to do a little activity. Okay. So what we found though, which was a complete something that we hadn't thought about, is grandparents and even parents were coming up and reading these fairy tales to their children. Oh, how cool. Well. They didn't grow up with them like we did right. because they have all these wonderful cartoons yeah, on yeah, TV yeah. now yeah. and all these other things that are available so kids weren't reading fairy tales. But this got them back involved. Right. You know, with well, it made the connection between the generations. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the grandparent would say, oh, this was my favorite book. I love Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Or, you know, and that sparks an interest to exactly. maybe do a little bit more research and say, oh, I remember you telling me about that we saw it in the woods. So it was, super every year we do something different. We've had treasure hunt, we have had a backpack adventure where they can come in and check out a backpack and kind of, yeah. there's instructions like exactly yeah. go through. Uh, we've had folk life uh, festival events where we had kind of a takeoff of what we're doing with our fall festival. Sure. But they could do weaving and all kinds of things throughout the summer that were more geared around the folk life. 
skills. Okay. Sets. And so this year we brought Whimsical with back with a little bit of a twist because we found these, the coolest thing are these animals that are carved out of flip flops. Oh, wow. And insert picture here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to send me that. Because we have, right. well, we have them in the park too. But, um, but it's called Ocean Soul Africa. Okay. And there is on the coast of Africa, like I think on the Kenya side, all of these flip flops and just garbage wash up there. But in, in the garbage, there are just millions of flip flops. I, don't, I guess people are out on a boat and their shoes fall off or something. <laughs> in order to give the people of that area something to do and to be able to make money and to recycle something that's just a waste, yeah. they take these flip-flops and they press them all together. There's a great YouTube video. They press them together and the people, well, they wash them and they glue them together and then they carve them into animals and they have octopus and giraffe oh, and rhinos so cool. and... Yeah. And that's I had no idea. Yeah, it, they're really cool and very colorful. So we have a recycling spin this year on Whimsical Woods, which okay. is why it's called Whimsical Woods Football, because it's not just about fairy tales and saving that forest, it's about saving the world. How creative. So, yeah. How creative. So it's, they're, and they're paying it forward. So absolutely, you know? yeah. So, yeah. And it's it's great because you're, you're teaching people what happens with their garbage in the ocean. Right. as well. Right. They start thinking about it. They're like, I, I just lost a flip-flop. Okay, it's going to end up in Africa. <laughs> and they're going to make it into a bunny. They're going to make it into a bunny. <laughs> but I am not a proponent of losing your flip-flop in the ocean. <laughs> right. Right. Please do not lose your flip-flops. <laughs> On purpose. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, so it's fun. Something else that we've added since you were up here. Well, there's a lot of things. <laughs> like you said, we added a Rosenwald schoolhouse. Okay. which is Booker T. Washington and Julius Rosenwald got together. Uh, Booker T. Washington was a teacher down at Tuscumbia. Yes. And Julius Rosenwald was Sears and Roebuck. And he was one of those men of the, the Astors and the Vanderbilts. Very philanthropic. Uh, but self-made man. So, yes. Yeah. And didn't want a whole lot of recognition for it. He wanted just to pass it forward and help people. But he and Booker T. Washington got together and expanded off of Booker's idea of needing to educate children in the rural areas of the South, especially. And they put this thing together and it was, Rosenwald said, I'll give a third. The community has to raise a third and the school system has to get a third. That's great, because it's buy-in. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And they have a they have a ownership of it. Yes. The community has an ownership of the school. And I mean it's there's there was a book written that said you need this many nails, this many boards, this many Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was all and it told them how to orient the school so that Well I, just like the houses, the series and robot houses. You exactly. order the houses yeah. how you wanted to but this this told you the proper landscaping that you needed for your region. This told you where how to orient the school so that as the sun went down, it wouldn't cast a shadow over the kids as they because that's how they came you know, out. You know, so it's yeah, it's really just a, a fascinating thing. You had one room, two room, three room, four room schoolhouses. They started out as mostly elementary, but then they started going into high school. They had industrial rooms in each of the rooms wow. where they taught uh, home ec classes or boys Trade. how to do trades. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was that was an important part of Rosenwald, and that's what he wanted in each of the schools. 
So the most fascinating thing about it is that this really started, their partnership started in, in 1918 and went to 1932. And in that time period, they built over 5,300 schools in maybe 15 states across the South. Texas wow. all the way up to like North Carolina and yeah. So, wow. And Alabama had one of the first ones. And so this was a huge connection to our area. And that like, sounds like somebody needs to do a Netflix on that. <laughs> well, there, well, there is a movie. I think PBS or somebody did a, a movie on Rosenwald. Okay. Um, and that, of course, was included in it. But um, yeah, it would be a great documentary. Yeah. Just well, just a collaboration on. too. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of the schools still stand. And what's great is that people went to a Rosenwald school but didn't know it was one because their names were like peace and goodwill or sassy and smart or confident. I mean, they, they named the schools. Okay. So yeah, just happy names. Um, Sunshine, they just named it. And people were like, I went to Rosenwald school and didn't know it because of the name. But uh, they're still around. And we looked for years to have a historic one that we wanted in keeping with the historic part. Yeah, we wanted to have an original one that we restored but it just wasn't feasible to find one. And of course we needed one, like everybody needs a storage. So we needed some storage space and we needed some specific needs out of it. So, but we rebuilt a lot of things. The floor is a uh, reclaimed floor, but everything else was built to that book specs. That's awesome. This is, you know, the Wayne's code yeah, and this yeah. is what it's gonna look like. So, and we do a fourth grade immersion so the kid, because that's when they teach Alabama history. So fourth graders, although we are expanding that out to other grades, but the fourth graders in particular come up, the boys get little coveralls, the girls get just a little simple shift but yeah. that can go over their clothes. They get a pail or a basket that they can put their lunch in. They say the Pledge of Allegiance. They go into class and they do lessons with chalk and chalkboard. They do lessons with ink pens and nib. What a great idea. Um, yeah. So creative. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a great idea. And they will do something typically like taking the spelling words that they're working. So it's more, it is considered a field trip, but it is a day of education. It's yeah. not just a fun run and play. Yeah. So they are doing maybe their same spelling words that they're doing. In, but, in school. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you about the next new edition. On to our newest edition. And we are part of what we do is we want to teach those folk traits. Okay. So we have started our own little Burrett folk life school and we have classes. We have done stained glass, jewelry making, uh, painting. Our most popular class by far is blacksmithing. Okay. Uh, we've done tin smithing. We, uh, I said jewelry making. Yeah. Um, we have a couple jewelries. We do felting. Right, you know, we, is that for adults? Yeah, it's all adults. Super fun. Yeah, we are looking at doing some things. We have done one or two classes that have been with kids, but this is really truly an adult, adult education. education. Yeah, pioneer Yeah, to to get people back involved in those traits. Yeah, and it's something that's been brewing with the artist community anyway for a long time. But this is just something that we've always done. And with our historic park, we have woodworkers, we have people spinning out there and weaving and knitting. And, you know, that's a trait. All of these things are going to be lost. So this is a continuation of that. Sure. So we have 
renovated one of our rooms um, that used to be the Trillium Room. It is now going to be called the Carol Williamson Folklife Education Center. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. I gotta get used to that. Uh, Trillium Room's a lot easier. But, no, but, um, so that is named after one of our donors who truly just loved the idea. So part of that area, we have a pottery studio. So that is wow. yes. So we are we are on the cusp. Hopefully, we'll get it soon and get started with that. But we're going to do pottery classes. Are they open to have it like by fall? I think our first pottery class online. Well, we may have moved it to August. Okay. I think it was going to be okay. this month or July, but we moved it to August. Okay. So yeah, and then that's also on the website. There's folk life classes. And you go up there, and we are fortunately having to limit. We've always had to limit the numbers, but now we've really had to reduce our number. So, like our blacksmith class could only handle six people just because of the space. We may be having to mark that down to four just to be able to make sure that we have that space. Right. But you have? Are you going to have them frequently, or we are? We're gearing up. Okay. Actually, prior to COVID, we were doing great. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of interest in it, and then COVID hit, and. Yeah. We had to cancel some of our classes, yeah. but they are back online, and you know we're as, as we can find instructors and work with them. Base, so that's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, we're we're really excited that we've been able. So to. So how are you doing with volunteers, and um, do you still need some? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We always need volunteers. We have several volunteers who are coming up now doing individual projects. You know, they they come out, they're weeding, or they're doing this, or dough sitting in the mansion. We have a, we have a, our docent desk is behind a rope, and we limit the number of people in there. So, we feel like it's fairly safe. So, if you need to get out a day or two, yes. and you are not of a delicate age, it's well, a little delicate, but um, consider coming and volunteering. It's a great place. Absolutely. Gina Hurst is our volunteer coordinator, and you can contact her. Um, you can contact the main number, and I'll put the link. Yeah, great. Um, and she will get you started on something because we have trails that always need to be just kind of cleaned up. Yeah. We have the boulevard from Governor's Drive up to Panorama. We have adopted that. Okay. So we always need somebody who's willing just to walk that and pick up the trash that's flown out. Yeah. I know that's not an exciting job, but it really is a aesthetic. We like to keep that road pretty and it does get you outside. I did talk to Emma up at the Montesano Park um, yeah. a couple weeks ago and she said that the goats are pretty much all gone. Oh, <laughs> she sad. said nobody's had a goat sighting. Oh, however, mountain lion. Yeah, well, that may be why the goats are gone. Poor goats. Yeah, poor Dr. Burns goats. I know. All, good. All those descendants, <laughs> not even for joining us here today on Talking Travel with Wendy. I want to thank Stephanie so much for well, having you. And we'll see you again next week. Bye.